0: Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Mila Brugic, and today I'm talking with Dr. Walt Whitley about integrated eye care and also what's new in dry eye and glaucoma on the Optometric Insights yeah. show. Dr. Whitley, welcome and thank you, thank you, thank you for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. We um, Several years ago, I had an opportunity to actually go visit you and see the practice, which was um, it was pretty unbelievable, Walt. And uh, I think when, when I think about, you know, the essence of integrated eye care, I think about Virginia Eye Consultants and really you, every time I've talked to you, every time I've shared information with you, you you're always about the integration between patient optometry, ophthalmology. Um, share with us a little bit more about your practice and really what, what your role is in the, in the practice at this point.
1: Yeah, you bet. Thank you so much for having me again, there, Neil. Uh, my my role within the practice, I'm the di- director of optometric services uh, for Virginia Eye Consultants, and so I do oversee our OD team, which consists of about eight ODs, including myself. Two of those are residents who are with us for a year, learning more about ocular disease, refractive, and ocular surgery. Uh, we, do have, uh, we do have 13 surgeons within our practice. We also have two PAs within our practice. Um, and we also have a large referral network of about 150 referring optometrists. And so my role within the practice, I do see patients. So I see patients about three and a half days a week. But the other day and a half is more focusing on the collaboration, focusing on the communication and making sure that all of us are on the same page, including the patient, to make sure we're delivering optimal results for our patients.
0: Yeah, that's remarkable, Walt. Now, um, so when let's say, for example, somebody refers a cataract surgery patient um, into your office. Are you are you guys seeing them like kind of the post-op period? Of, is the optometrist seeing them day one after the post-op period, or is there kind of a variance of, of what's happening and occurring there, Walt?
1: It all depends on, on the practitioner. And so some of our referring doctors and also depend, first, anytime it comes down, down to collaboration and co-management, it's all about patient uh, patient choice. We know we want to give, give them the best care. We want them to have the best outcomes, but also a high safety profile. But it's also up to the co-managing OD determining and communicating with us, you know, where they feel comfortable seeing that patient. We have some, let's say the patient has to travel an hour or two. They want to see that patient at that one day post-op. And so we'll transfer the care as long as, uh, as, long as the, the surgery went, went smoothly we will transfer that care to that pa- to the uh, referring doctor at the one day but others would rather have us see the patient at the one day than transfer at the one week and then others They may not want to, or they may not be set up to do post-operative care. Maybe they're more uh, uh, focused on vision care services. And so when they diagnose the cataract, they educate the patient, give them information, but say, hey, I'm going to refer you to Virginia Eye Consultants. They're going to do the surgery. They're going to see you post-op. And then I'm going to see you after the procedure to get you the glasses that you need.
0: That's great, Walt. Um, you know, one of the things that I've always enjoyed about you is that not only do you talk the talk, but you walk the walk. I mean, you're really in the trenches working with the newest, latest technologies. And it's not only in certain specific areas, but you, you really run the gamut of everything. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, I mean, you know as, as much as anybody, you really don't at the end of the day know what's going to end up in your chair. So you have to be prepared for that. With that said, we we have a limited amount of time, and I know that um, you know you're you're really um, an expert in several areas of optometry, specifically um, medically geared. But there's two places that I think um, just really strike me as kind of very very uh, curious and interesting. And one is dry eye. Like, what do you see as the next big evolution in dry eye care and dry eye management, and just ocular surface disease management overall?
1: You mean the next? How many do I get? <laughs> one, two, three. I, I mean, it's such an exciting space <laughs> right now. A few. Okay, I'll just, you know, the one that comes to mind is gonna be something that when you tell your patients you have mites, they give you that look. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so right now, under in clinical studies, there's TPO3, which is from, uh, uh, so what it is, it is Lodolanner. And so it's been used within dermatology, but it's taken the, taken uh, or veterinary medicine I misspoke has been used in veterinary medicine, but it's twice a day for six weeks. And essentially what it's going to do, it's going to kill those mites. And so looking at the early studies have been very promising, you know, I was involved with a prevalence uh, study and seeing how many patients I saw 180 patients consecutively seeing how many had, uh, had colorettes. And you're going to be surprised that, you know, it seemed like 42% of my patients did have the colorettes. And so uh, that's, that's very exciting. Um, well, Wow. Go ahead. I'll 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 say so, so,
0: Walt, just just to pause you right there. You know, forty. Well, no, forty two percent of patients had colorites. You know, I, I think a lot of people listening to this would say, well, Walt's kind of in a medically based practice. That's not necessarily our practice. Give us some little pearls and keys to, to identifying those those because I know sometimes we kind of float by the the lids and we don't really spend that time on the lids. Are there any kind of examination strategies or tactics to to see those a little bit easier?
1: Well, you know, we're also tuned in to look at the cornea. We want to get the lens, the nerve, but just yep. take a look at the lids and have the patient look down and you'll see collarettes and it not, and the sleeves of those collarettes whenever you see that. I mean, those patients, there's studies, uh, there was a study from Gao that showed if you see a collarette, there's going to be mites uh, hmm. present and demodex present there. So just having that patient look down, if you see any maturosis or, or loss of lashes, that'll be something else to look, uh, to, to consider with demodex. Uh, but yeah, TPO3, it's in the clinical studies right great. now from Tarsus Pharmaceuticals is a, spa, is a company.
0: I'll give you one one more from dry eye, Walt. What else, what else we have in dry eye that you feel is interesting, kind of like a really cool, neat thing, whether it's we have it now or, or we're, we're going to be having it soon?
1: You know, the uh, nasal sprays. And yeah. so patients are used to having nasal sprays, you know, for right mm-hmm. this time of year, allergy season. But if we can stimulate the N-acetylcholine receptor within the nasal cavity, uh, that's going to activate the trigeminal nerve, and it's going to help with the homeostasis of the tears. And so if we can take a medicine and drug, stimulate the trigeminal nerve, that's another way that we can help improve not just the symptoms, but also the signs for a patient's dry disease. And so those are two things that come to mind. I'm very excited to, 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 to hopefully have, have new treatment options. Yeah.
0: It is interesting, right, Walt, well, because, yeah, I mean, you see patients as well, too. There are sometimes alternative treatments that we need to find for people because they, they're not good with taking drops, and, mm-hmm. and it's remarkable. You take it for granted when you can use drops easily, but there's a number of people that just have a tough time taking eye drops. So this, this may be a little bit of a game changer for some of these people. Yeah. Walt, well, what about glaucoma? Tell us what's new in glaucoma. Like what, what's, what's cool, what's new right now in glaucoma, and what can we expect here in the next few years?
1: You know, what's hot right now, other than dry eye, is glaucoma. <laughs> and so mixed procedures, the minimally invasive glaucoma oh, yeah. procedures. And so uh, with our two glaucoma specialists within the practice, mm-hmm. we've done uh, uh, many of the various procedures. And, you know, it's important for the for the surgeons to take a look. Uh, one of the things that we tell our referring doctors, if a patient has cataracts and glaucoma, to always think minimally invasive glaucoma yeah. procedures. Why? We do know that taking the cataract out will reduce pre- reduce the pressure by about one to three points, mm-hmm. but by doing either a stent, opening up the drain, uh, dilating the, uh, the, 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 the drainage area, then we can even lower the pressure anywhere between 25 to even 40%, depending yeah. on the MIGS device that's being used or the procedure. And so it addresses compliance. We get better IOP control and it's proven to be safe as well. And so uh, post-surgically, the drops are going to be very similar to standard cataract surgery Mm -hmm. for the majority of the uh, procedures and the outcomes. uh, We've been very impressed with the outcomes from these procedures.
0: That's interesting, Walt. You know um, what just from your own experience, what's the insurance coverage on the the new MIGs procedures? Are insurance plans embracing this and saying, yeah, we should be covering this or is there some resistance from the insurance plan still?
1: Definitely, they do cover it, uh, but they don't right. cover all the procedures, and that's why it's important for the for surgeons that you work with to have options. And so mm-hmm. they may have their favorite, but the insurance may not uh, may not always uh, reimburse for that and so you may you do need an alternative procedure that you can offer the patients but improve quality of vision improve quality of life from using less drops but in the end control of the glaucoma and so that's an exciting space we also have the Babatoprost SR or Durista uh, is also out. And so that's uh, a pledget that's put into the anterior chamber. That's going to be a slow sustained release of the, uh, of the prostaglandin over time. And so uh, we've just been starting to do that within the practice and great. Uh, addresses those same compliance issues that we mentioned. How long does that last Walt? It lasts for several months. And so oh, it, it, it's FDA approved for one, one uh, uh, treatment.
0: That's great. Walt. that's great. Well, I'll tell you, Walt, it's always, um, energetic and inviting to to communicate with you. You just have uh, such an eagerness for optometry and where we are and where we're heading as well too. And again, the thing I appreciate about you the most is that um, you not only talk the talk, but you you walk the walk, you're in the trenches, you're seeing patients. So every single time you ask a question or answer a question, um, it's not only based on what the literature shares with you, but it's also through personal experience. This is what the literature says. This is, what, this is what you can expect and this is what the patients will actually tell you when, when you do XYZ. i Z. I've always found that encouraging about you. If you like the episode, make sure you subscribe to our, our podcast, Optometric Insights um, show. And Dr. Whitley, thank you. Thank you. Thank you thank so you. much for being on the show. And uh, we hope everybody has a great day.